This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Cardiology and Heart Surgery Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Michelle Crane, Vice President of the Cardiovascular Service Line, Administrator and COO of the Heart Hospital of Lafayette in Louisiana. Michelle, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Before we dive into the questions, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Yes. So uh, I am a nurse practitioner by education. I have been a nurse practitioner for a little over 20 years and um, got into a leadership role uh, in a service line, actually over um, ortho neuro, um, did that for several years and then um, got into administration as the CNO at a, at a local organization and did that for about eight years. And I have um, moved over as a vice president of the cardiovascular service line here at Heart Hospital but in this role for about seven years. And so uh, the interesting part about this is that when I took over the role at the heart hospital, it was a physician, part physician owned and part non-for-profit owned. So um, it was a a for-profit organization because of the physician ownership, but with a a non-for-profit partner. So it's it's been an interesting journey, but at the end of uh, 2019, actually uh, December the 28th, we were wholly acquired by the non-for-profit. So Heart Hospital now is wholly owned by um, Our Lady of Lourdes, which is part of the Franciscan Missionaries of Our Lady Health System. Got it. Thank you so much for giving us the background. That's so helpful as we dive into the conversation. Now, what are your top priorities today and how do you see them evolving in the next 12 months or so? Well, I think the interesting thing um, with COVID is that while we had a a governmental mandate to shut down for a short amount of time, uh, we are actually going to finish the year uh, significantly um, busier than what we had budgeted and we had anticipated. And so um, as a, a cardiac hospital, we are a 32-bed dedicated uh, cardiovascular hospital. Like I said, that's part of a larger organization. Uh, we've been able to ship most things cardiology, cardiovascular to this campus. And so during COVID, we were able to kind of maintain a, a clean campus or a COVID-free campus to keep our business going as usual. So, you know, it's been a very successful year. And um, I think top priority is that we continue to drive that success. We have a new cardiovascular surgeon joining us in just about four weeks. And and so we're in uh, deep preparations and trying to get ready uh, to hit the ground running as this this new person joins our, our team. Got it. That's really amazing that you've been able to add a, a new uh, physician to the team and really see growth there. What right. are some? Of, yeah, yeah. What are some of the big challenges you're facing right now? Well, you know, I, I think that the challenges that we face is that with this COVID, we've had a, a spike in, in cardiovascular um, incidents. So there's a lot. We're seeing some um, coagulopathies and some clotting issues. So uh, your your vascular component, whether it be wholly COVID-related or not, is is really surging. So what I'm struggling with right now as an organization is uh, capacity, that we uh, are are running our ORs at at full capacity until late afternoon. We're adding additional shifts. We're actually doing elective cases on weekends, just trying to keep up right now. 
Um, and, and so, of course, with capacity and trying to accommodate that comes some staffing issues, you know, just being able to uh, not burn out your current staff and, and yet continue to offer that service. So we, like I said, have, have maintained a very busy schedule through this past COVID year. We, of course, have had to do things a little differently, so that agility has really kind of paid off to help with that. But, um, you know, our struggle is capacity and throughput and making sure that we continue to uh, move patients through. One of the unique things about our organization is that we have a universal bed concept. And so instead of has, having designated ICU beds and intermediate level beds and tele beds, every bed can be an ICU bed and every bed can be a tele bed. And so um, we work and strive, our average length of stay here is about 3.2 days. And, uh, and so we strive to, to really get those discharges done early to accommodate um, the cases coming out. Uh, to get them into a room. So it, it requires full-on teamwork. Uh, everybody is, is part of the team. So our, our housekeepers are doing a yeoman's job and flipping those rooms and getting things ready for the next patient to come in. But the struggle for me at this time has been just capacity and trying to accommodate the need of our community. Got it. You know, that, that makes a ton of sense. And, you know, it's really interesting to think about how things have changed even um, amid COVID-19 and, and what stays the same in terms of always needing uh, care and, and um, always being heart issues. Now, you know, given the your struggles with capacity, how are you thinking about growth? So we, we have a couple of different ideas that we're working through right now. Um, of course, all of them come with a, a lovely price tag. But, uh, you know, we, we've talked about building out additional um, OR, cath labs, and, and acute care beds on this particular campus. We've talked about building a heart tower on the main campus that would connect via walkway. We've talked about maybe even pursuing another joint venture uh, with some of our physicians to move some of the cases out so that we can accommodate those cases that can't be done at a, um, an ASC. So, I mean, I think that there are several things that, that we can do, but I think most importantly is that we've really had to look at our workflow processes, and um, we work very closely with our physicians. So we, we do discharges first thing in the morning. So our goal is to have a 10 a.m. discharge, and uh, for the most part, by 8 or 9 o'clock, we've probably discharged 15 people. So you can discharge and refill those rooms up by noon. Um, so I think that we, like I said, we've tried to be really agile and moving people through, making sure that they're, they're in an appropriate level for care and utilizing all our space to try to maintain that throughput. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. And really, you know, seeing some of those opportunities come out, like you mentioned, I know, you know, it, it definitely comes with um, a high cost, but at the same time, hopefully we'll be able to uh, make sense in, in the long run. Right. And one of the things in this particular community, you know, is is that we are one parish or uh, county uh, in other states that is surrounded by eight other parishes that, that feed in. Um, and, and then, of course, you know, a little bit to the west of us is like Charles that has had multiple hits the past few years, well, the past year, uh, two hurricanes, an ice storm, and now, of course, the flooding that's going on in that that community. And so their facilities are still not up to par. So we've really tried to work 
with the physicians in those areas to be able to accommodate them uh, so that they can continue to meet the needs of their communities uh, when their hospitals are, are not up to full service just yet. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm sure that adds strain, um, you know, to, to your capacity as well. Sure, sure. Now, before we wrap up our conversation, can you share three pieces of advice for emerging leaders today? Well, I think for me as a leader, I try to surround myself with people that are um, smarter than me or they're going to they're gonna push me to be the best. You, you have to be able to think outside the box. And I think, if anything, this past year has taught us to be uh, very creative and like I've, I've mentioned earlier, just to be agile with those decisions. And so, you know, in, initially when there was a requirement to do COVID swabs before we could do surgeries, we created a drive-through service. We created a drive-through service for, for our Coumadin clinic and the patients would like stick their arm out, we would do their blood, we would uh, give them their counseling and send them on their way because they still required care. So. Uh, I could never have done that without having leaders that were open to doing things differently, um, open to having a process that was established at 8 o'clock in the morning, and at 4, it might look like a completely different process. So I think that first and foremost, you have to surround yourself with leaders that create that dynamic of a team. Um, I also think that from a leadership perspective, you have to be present. and. And, and I, that's something I believe in as a nurse practitioner. I come to work in scrubs fairly often. I round on the floor. I'll carry the resource phone. Um, I, I round on patients. But more importantly, I think that the staff is seeing me uh, be on the campus and out and about. And I think that... Um, you set the example from the top. And so, you know, we're very blessed on this particular campus. We've been at the 99th percentile in, in patient satisfaction and patient engagement for at least my whole seven years here. And it's something that we all strive for. And and so, um, I mean, I think that you set that from the top and you, you do that all the way down. And then and lastly, I mean, I think you have to appreciate and respect every member of your team and the importance of the service that they bring to your organization. And so you have to remember that admitting and registration is just as important as your surgical team or your um, your nurses on the floor. And, and so when you get them in a room and you get them talking through issues, they again, become very creative with their solutions at, at the, the grassroots level, and it allows change to be accepted and to be implemented much quicker than a top-down approach. So that would be my three levels of advice. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fantastic discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Great. Thank you very much.